Here's a few exciting scenes from tonight's episode of The Tom Gully Show. You got any thoughts on old John Morrow's blog post? I would, I would say 80% of all of the pencil art that he's published in 30 years is from the archive, my archive. No, 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 here's a funny story. It involves chocolate, okay? <laughs> Nobody else would know this story, but it gives you a little insight into what was going on with Jack's life. Due to some violent content, parental discretion is advised. It's time, America. Mr. and Mrs. North of South American, all the ships at sea, let's go to press. So sit back, buckle in, place your tray table in its upright locked position, and get ready for big time radio, friends. It's time for... Wednesday, September 24th, 2014, episode 214. That's interesting. I'm Tom Gully, and tonight on the Tom Gully Show, Theakston speaks again. Yes, we'll have another conversation with Greg Theakston regarding the Kirby Museum controversy, Jack and Roz Kirby's personal side, and a few remarks about the fanboy critics along with so much more. We're going to cover 30 years and some serious comic book history as we get even more insights from Greg Theakson on the duplicitous, underhanded, and backstabbing dealings of John Morrow, Rand Hoppy, and the Kirby Museum, tonight on The Tom Gully Show. I am the Tom Gully Show, Translator 3000. Translating newsmakers for humans. Translating Alec Baldwin. In this business, in the modern era, all of us, we make appointments with the press. This is an appointment with the press. We make ourselves available as an obligation per our contract to our employers to represent the product and help to sell the product. And then when I walk out the door, that's over. I don't have, when the guy jumps out of the bushes with a camera and tries to take a picture of my kid, they want to say to you, well, here's another appointment you have with the press. Translation. Yes, my daughter. That's right. My daughter. If you recall, I did not make an appointment with the press when I left a long, belligerent, profanity-laced diatribe against my darling daughter. I also did not make an appointment with the press when I went cuckoo on a plane when asked to stop playing words with friends.
I can't remember if I made an appointment with the press when I said I'd leave America if Bush won the election. Wait. Where am I right now? Oh, yes. America. Land of the free and the home of hitting photographers. Apparently, I didn't get the memo that says if you become a famous movie star, guys with cameras are around a lot. It's a real bitch being a millionaire. This has been the Tom Galicio Translator 3000. Good day. Hey Tom. So this unending thing. This Kirby estate business. Yeah, Kirby I guess. museum of business. Now, did you ever meet Jack Kirby? Just kidding. Um, <laughs> the, the, uh, I guess the latest thing that's happened since the last time we talked, there's been two major things, one of which is John Morrow's blog posting, and the other is the letter from Paul Levine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, I guess one at a time. You got any thoughts on old John Morrow's blog post? Uh, well, he's got... Well, actually, they both have fish to fry. Because Levine, uh, the lawyer's getting a paycheck, and uh, uh, Morrow is indentured to the uh, Kirby estate. Well, he's been relying upon their approval for the publication of his books yeah, for 30 years. Yeah. Uh, oh, so and by the way, yeah, I would I would say eighty percent of all of the pencil art that he's published in thirty years. Is from the archive, my archive. The whole point was, uh, I told Roz this. I said, look, some guy wants a certain page with Infinity Man on it. You probably don't even remember what Infinity Man looks like. So let me be the conduit to anybody who, I'll make copies anytime anybody wants a particular thing. And I sorted them all, man, by issue chronologically so anytime somebody wanted something I know where to, I know where to find it so that was one of them the, the key reasons uh, for making a set of copies ha! the other one was if California falls into the ocean <laughs> there's another set of East Coast yeah well I mean I think well, it's it's pretty obvious where the lines have been drawn and who has a vested interest in what and all of the people sort of supporting the museum are clinging on to dear life to whatever they've accomplished with that museum, which is a whole much subject, uh, yeah. and trying to, you know, sort of circle the wagons here 30 years later with this brand new, never before publicly released story just one month after they're claiming over and over again in their press release that this is your property. Oh, oh, so we're back to the, that letter. Because, man, I've been kicking that around in my head, like, since it showed up. The letter that you wrote to Lisa Kirby that until, Kirby, yes. until the letter from Paul Levine was just represented as a letter in possession of the Kirby estate. Yeah. You know, so you're like, uh, well, what's well, that? Well, you know, Levine's press release is just like, you know, I did this and I, they're good people and, you know, like, blah, blah, blah. And, like, you know, this small, you know, a tempest in a teacup on the farthest corners of the web with people with loud voices. Like, no, actually, a lot of people, and it's not just a small corner, like a lot of people are just saying, scan his stuff, give it back. Well, that seems to be the sort of uh, people that like don't have a, a dog in the fights reaction. Yeah, like, what, what's the deal? I mean, they've gone as far on some of the message boards as to actually 
take you, you know the scans of your stuff and photo manipulate it to their liking. You know, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, of course, of course, of course. And it's supposed to be a digital museum. Well, it is a digital museum. Yeah. So I mean, why did, do you? Did you ever get any answers back from those questions? Like, what are the museum hours? What is the admission? How many people have been through your door? Well, no, and uh, uh, Patrick Brzezinski, who's their media contact, I mean, I can reprint the emails, uh, because when he told me that those questions would be answered in a frequently asked question section, I noticed. I deliberately sent him another email. They weren't there, were they? No, I sent him another email, a follow-up email that said, just so I can be clear, will the questions that I have given you be totally and directly answered by that FAQ? And he said, yes, they will. And, of course, none of them were. How many items do you have? How many were donated? How many were loaned? How are the items being preserved and stored? Are they being preserved yeah, and stored yeah, at the I'll optimum? Go, I'll, I'll go back to, like, individual, are you a real museum? Right. Are you individually sleeved? And there's been quite a, a lot of discourse online about, well, whether they're a museum or not doesn't have anything to do with it. And my position is um, that, well, that's how they present themselves. this behavior, you know, you want to be called a museum. Okay, and and first of all, you're not by any criteria. But well, you, but, you're, hand, but you're but you're some kind of like I don't know. He applied for something, and the museum people said, "Okay, you can be a museum." Well, we can we can revisit that because they just haven't. I mean, you can go to the American Curators American Museum Curators Association standards and guidelines, and they have basically you know run a four wheeler over that and done donuts on it. Uh, But the point is the way that they have behaved as a museum, you know, the lack of documentation, the duplicitous promises, the, Hey, you know what? Even if I, I was not involved in this, you know, if it was like the Gil Kane museum or something, it's like, Oh, that's, that's messed up. You can't do that. Yeah. I mean, there, there's just absolutely, it's, it's just one Oh one. All these museum people are telling me, when you take possession of something from another person that is donated to your museum, before you take possession of it, you have to have that agreement signed. It has to be... Uh, I believe it's called deed of gift. Well, it's, it's an inventory of what you've actually been given and an agreement saying, here's the stipulations at which you can use this. Is it a loan? Is it a gift? Is it a, a donation in loan? What is it? And that behavior, that lack of professionalism, all the way across the board, saying one thing, then saying another a month later, all of that stuff goes to uh, directly to credibility. credibility. Yes. And I just, I'm a person, look, Greg, if you'd have told me your story and I said it didn't make sense, we wouldn't have done a single podcast. And I think you know that about me. Um, I mean, we're friends, kind of, but we're not, I mean, you've never been to my home. I've Don't never been, I've never been to your home. <laughs> Uh, you know, we're not, you know, we've that, been drinking. That's close enough. Yeah, that's close enough. And, um, but I wouldn't have done a podcast and all this stuff if your story didn't make sense. And all oh, these, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're like this, this lone knight who goes out and finds causes that are true. <laughs> well, well, I, I mean, I'm just a crazy guy that finds stuff I don't like and, and tries to squash it. Yeah, but, but there's gotta be a true cause. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've got to actually believe in it. Um, but these people... You know, I don't like Miley Sirius or Justin Bieber, but I'm not going to go <laughs> charge on my charger. Yeah. Well, i got enough people taking care of Justin Bieber right now, luckily. But, All right, there you go. Uh, the, uh, uh, sort of the reaction to the, the moral blog is just, hey, what, what is this? You're telling this story... You know what, you know what blazes me? 
that he brokered, in quotes, he brokered a deal between me and the estate. Well, I, well I, I'll tell you what. I, maybe that would be the only way. I don't think he did. I can't, like, why. But I have not heard from Lisa Kirby since Jack died. I mean, she runs the estate. And I'm sending her letters, emails, like, can't we just bury the hatchet? Here, I'll tell you what. You can have everything. That's what that letter is about. I'm done writing the biographies. I really don't need this stuff anymore. Hey, this would be a really good basis for your museum. So the letter that's been, you know, circulating, well, the half letter that's been circulating on the Internet, it's like, yes, I promise to give you all this stuff. It, it, what they chopped out was the second half, which says, and incidentally, I'm perfectly willing to turn over almost all of the copyrights and trademarks and, and the master files to my Kirby books. I've done 15 of them. They can't have the biography, but they can have everything else. Sell them in Europe, okay? Ready to give you 14, uh, what's two from 15, 13 books. Ready to give them to you. And interestingly, that doesn't appear anywhere because well, that's it's something like, that keeps getting lost, is the six to eight boxes of stuff you just gave them in addition to this other material. And I like to, I like to point out, I'd like to point out that even in the quote that Mr. Levine provides, you know, seconds after, just in the next sentence after he says that you explicitly state you're donating it all. And, 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 and right in your own lines, it says almost all. And then almost, just about yeah. everything. It's like, are you a lawyer? Did you read this? Um... Uh, you know what? I was talking to a Joe Calamari. I think that's his name. Don't hold me to this one. Uh, 2009-ish. This is the second time a lawyer has called from the estate. You know, I explained the whole thing. I never heard from him again. Mm-hmm. I've never heard, I've never seen paper on this in 30 years. Well, there's still been no paper. Yeah. You know. Oh, anyway, point being, Joe Calamari is like, apparently a much more expensive lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Uh, <laughs> like, why all of a sudden is Levine back in the scene? Yeah, I've, apparently he's been working with them for some time. And his letter is pretty much a rehash of everything that uh, uh, Morrow yeah, says. It's not really a lawyer's letter. It's mostly just opinion. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing really legal in it. Um, but the whole deal of the brokering, I think it's important to say you never got any paper that said this guy is our official representative. He never told you this. You've never seen anything that says that. Right? Oh, yeah, that would be great. We, we should have kept a much nicer paper trail throughout this whole thing. But, yeah. you know, it's like, John, dude, I've been, you know, you've been using all of my archives for 25 years. You know? Don't we have some kind of working relationship where we don't need paper? Hey, Rand, you know, you can come over and scan this stuff for three years, and, you know, by the way, you can begin taking those boxes over there out of here. Well, okay, aren't we pals here? You know, why would I need paper? And, and you know, it's a gift. Ross gave it to me, Ross and Jack. Jack was still alive. 
You gave it to me as a gift. Like, look, who asks for a receipt? <laughs> what? You don't, you don't ask the people that give you gifts for proof that it's a gift when they give it to you? You know, Santa Claus explained to me the legal problems <laughs> of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't I would challenge anyone, you know, prove to me that the gifts you got for Christmas are actually yours. You know, you, I think yeah. it's well, silly. It's it's silly. And then the guy has something for 30 years and just the whole way that it was that it was attained was just so sort of underhanded, not from one, but two separate parties. Yeah, um, and if you flip flop it, the six to eight boxes, I should have gotten a receipt on those. Well, let's talk about the scans. They told you you would receive scans of all these things. Actually, now they ran. Okay, well, John. I said ran, and by the way, you know, so that I don't have to scan 3,500 pages, I want a copy of all this when you're done. And uh, there was some chatter about, like, well, you didn't give it all. Well, that's on John's blog, and John mentions even that he didn't give you the scans because you didn't give him all the copies. Well, they know yeah, they've got all the copies. What kind of reasoning is that? They, they've got all, well, how did he know he didn't have them all? And did he have a master list somewhere that, that you don't have or nobody else has? No, of course he didn't. It's just more of this, I'm John Morrow, I know everything. And he says that. They know they've got all of your Xeroxes. They know they have them all, and they know they've had them all since 2009, and they haven't issued you one scan. And that's stuff they're saying in the public that they were, they were to do openly. That's not stuff I'm making up. You yeah, know. It's, it's like him saying, uh, you know, uh, barge your toolbox, but apparently not all the tools are in there, so I'm not giving your tools back. I'm like, wait a minute, what kind of reasoning is this? Yeah, yeah. Now, how do you think the whole, I mean, where did John Morrow insert himself Oh, in, in between you guys. And and how did he do this? Did he just, like, cozy up to Roz after Jack had died? Yeah, yeah, after Jack died, man, the vultures just swept in. Mm-hmm. And I got a, an email. And, you know, I'm not certain whether I should start naming names, but that kind of sucks because, you know, people are doing that to me. Oh, I talked to somebody in the family. Okay, let's name a name. Chrissy Harper from the Jack Kirby Quarterly. Uh, emails me and he says, you know, I really probably shouldn't be doing this, but I, I just can't stand by. And it's like all of these emails trying to enlist him, her, into this, like, let's get Theakston thing. Let's cut Theakston out. I was oh. like, wait, wait, what? You know, anybody who wants to use the pencil files can use them. What, what more do you want? Well, actually, you know, I think that John just wanted them all because he had to come to me early on. You know, he wants four. So I go through the collection and I pull out like 12 four pages and send them to him. I get the impression that he just wanted to pick his own pages. Mm -hmm. So there was this, you know, it was like uh, John B. Cook as well. It's like, what are you guys doing back there? Hey, knock this off. What the hell did I ever do to you but help you? So there's a... Yeah, it goes way back. Well, I'll just say this. I have never, and I mean, 
dude, I was a community leader on AOL during the Wild West days when there were 27, oh, yeah. 44 million, however many there mm-hmm. were, the soccer message boards, chat rooms. I mean, it was just a living hell. I mean, mm-hmm. these Kirby people, they, they, think they're, they think they've got their little 60 group, you know, Facebook groups, 60 person Facebook groups. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting. It's because anytime this sort of chatter came up, on the uh, uh, Kirby Yahoo group, you know, I would come in and, you know, well, actually, this is how this happened, and I'm explaining to you very calmly, and it wasn't good enough. Oh, it'll never be. I, if, right, so, if, you know, if I went back and addressed 1,000 messages on this topic, they still wouldn't believe it. No. And I, believe me, I'm not going to go and answer 1,000 questions on the topic. Well, I've never, and I mean, go to the uh, Brazil or Italy message board sometime and see the bloodbaths that go on there. I mean, it's, it's just, it's incredible. But I've never met a group of people uh, like these, like these Kirby fans who, who and think. And it's not an ebb and flow. It's just the same basic 20 people. Oh, yeah. And they, boy, they have the book chapter and verse on jack kirby they know what he thought they know what he did they know what he they know said. what i think oh and they know <laughs> what you think and they can look at pencils from jack kirby and then looked at the ink finals and know exactly what happened during the work process and why things were changed if something's well, changed yeah from- okay okay you know well, that, that's back to me inking on uh, superpowers and uh, hunger dogs and who's who mm-hmm. uh well all right you know you want to tear me open on that one i'm an artist my job go ahead and hate it or love it i mm-hmm. can't you know i can tell you why i did what i did there's some i won't call them extenuating circumstances but dc was asking for a particular thing right and it wasn't necessarily what 20 fanboys wanted no and uh people don't realize i guess these people i mean who to my knowledge really have never created anything of their own I mean, I know none of them have seven lithographs in the permanent collection. Yeah, no, but it doesn't matter. They, they can still have their opinion about art. Oh, sure they can. But I don't think that they can state themselves as this inviolate possessor of the truth when they really don't understand even how the work process happens. You know, yeah, when, I, you know, it's like, I feel. He probably thinks, you know, it's like he probably thinks. I just, why don't you just ask me? I'll tell you what I think. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I I work in creative, and from the original script to what's on the screen, there are nine thousand factors that yeah. dictate that process. Some of them are commercial, some of them are logistical, some of them are logical, and some mm-hmm. of them are creative. And yeah, trademark things happen. You know, it's it's like uh, you know, have your opinions all you want about he's the worst guy ever to play in a World Series. Yeah, yeah. but I, that's an informed opinion, and your heart of hearts, you don't like my work, well, that's informed, you don't like it. But don't start talking about D.C. and how it worked and what Jack wanted and what I wanted. Yeah, that's, that's my point, is that don't extrapolate things, fabrications, treat them as fact, and then apply them no. bindingly to another person. No. Now, when you worked with Jack, he selected no. you for that work, correct? You know, actually, uh, he, he approved it. He did not select me. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. I got, I got a story. So the first series of superpowers, he did uh, six covers and the final issue, whole final issue. And 
uh, Royer was inking the covers, and DC didn't like him. And, you know, Royer was stuck with this don't change anything thing. And so uh, I come around the corner at DC, and there's Dick Giordano and uh, Joe Orlando, special projects editor, because superpowers fell under special projects. It's a, it's a toy thing. Right. And they're holding up this Wonder Woman cover. They're looking at it and shaking their heads. I think it was number four. Doesn't matter. And they look at me, and Giordano says, you want to take over Ink and Kirby? <laughs> I've been trying to take over Ink and Kirby my adult life, okay? Yes. Yes, I would. Now, it, 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 was, it was not just a, a matter of, you know, do you want to take over? Uh, it was as much a diplomatic move as it was an artistic move. How so? Because, well, because the Kirbys felt like nobody was representing them up at D.C., you know, other side of the continent, and they're doing whatever they want with it, and that's not what, so the Kirby's, you know, believed in, in, in my work, and D.C. believed in it. Everybody was happy, except for the 20 fanboys. Yeah, well, that's, I guess, the point, is that their superhero, Jack Kirby, approved you as his anchor. Okay, that man, Jack Kirby, he said, yes, this man can ink my work. Oh, and over and above everything else, ink it any way you want. Yeah, I mean, and that's him as an artist saying, do this. Well, so yeah, those, because, you know, those I've been working as a paperback illustrator for the previous decade. So it's right. like, wow, this guy paints paperback covers. As a painter, I always wanted to be a painter. And, you know, that's like the next step up from a comic book artist. Mm -hmm. That's what all of them aspire to be, either a syndicated artist or a painter. So I had a credibility. I'm like, frankly, you know, when I was making, working on uh, Ink and Kirby, I could have made double that uh, painting paperback covers. Mm -hmm. Are you kidding? You're going to pry these pencil pages out of my dead, cold hands care <laughs> yeah uh, I, I think my rate I was making about I got a really good rate too as an anchor uh, Giordano as we're talking about this do you want to take over you know Ink and Kirby said, yeah so I did this cover with uh, Monster Superman holding up Aquaman he says oh alright that's really good we haven't established a page rate yet I'm like, that was the last thing on my mind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I just got to Kirby. Uh, and he says, now, by contract, uh, Terry Austin has to make the highest inking rate at the company, which is $75 per page. And that's a pretty good rate in 84, 85. Mm -hmm. He says, we'll just settle for 74. <laughs> 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 yes. Yes. <laughs> So there are all of these nuances that uh, that nobody got to see. But yet they think they know. I mean, it's uh, I, I've been. Well, a lot of it is just like I feel. Yeah. You know, I feel that. Yeah, but okay. <laughs> I feel Justin Bieber stinks, but. I well, don't. but a lot of it is not. I feel a lot of it is. 
you know, Theakston ran in and grabbed it as quick as he could and ruined it. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, because the only reason I got that job. It was because you lived in New York, yeah. <laughs> I was a little... Yeah, sh- the only reason I got that job in the subway. I, I was... Because I, I lived in New York. Yeah, well, I was shocked that subway and anywhere else. I was shocked that Joe DiMaggio didn't get that gig. He lives in New uh, York. I right? tried out for it, you know. Sorry about that one. Yeah, yeah, that poor guy. He could have inked Kirby. Yeah, well, Ed Koch could have inked Kirby. Yeah, well, if you're taking that baseball glove off, you know, you might have done a little, <laughs> a, little, a little more precise job with it. Looks like you inked it with a, a baseball mitt in your hand. I can see the headline now. Yankee Clipper or Yankee Inker. <laughs> Joe well, I, quits you know, to ink Kirby. So anyway, uh, I got this mad rush of people who are just like, and you know what's interesting? Uh, whatever the grudge is that they've been holding on to for years... Now is the time to strike. All right, wait a minute. Wait a, minute. a number of people are ganging up on Theakston. Yeah, well, you know, he didn't smile at me once when I expected him to or something. I don't know. If, hey, if you all would just explain what the problem is, I'll apologize, okay? Well, and uh, they've talked about the Dragon Con and the fact that, that you had said, hey, this wasn't the greatest show and this and that. And he's like, well, it's because it's he's selling uh, ugly, overpriced art and blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, the Star Wars illustrator's wife comes out and says, all these cons are really awful for the actual creators of the comics. Yeah. I mean, it's the the shift in the focus has gone away from the people Absolutely. that actually did all that, and it's now just yeah. selfies and cosplay, and that's great. It's wonderful, but well, you got to have change. both. Uh, yeah, actually, there's there's a whole mass of people writing about, and you know, it kind of came to a head over the summer. Yes, I was talking to a lot of old timers, people who've been going to DragCon for twenty years. They said, I, I think this is my last show here. I'm sitting there at my table with my assistant, and I said, say what? For five minutes, just let's, don't say anything, just look at the crowd, okay? So we sat there for five minutes looking at I said, now, did you notice anything unusual? He says, well, a lot of them were wearing costumes. I said, no, 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 no. We're looking for something deeper than that. Nobody is carrying anything. Nobody bought anything it's they become gawker shows well the point that was made uh, uh what's his name Dorman, i think is his last name uh by his wife was that um the money that it takes now to go and she was speaking specifically about san diego the money yeah. that it takes to go there the money it takes to get in to to you know be part of that hotel rooms and then your costumes what do you got left when you get to the get to the show? Um, you know, and, and she was kind of even handed about we love the cosplay. We love that. Devote, we love it. But mm-hmm. these people are being ignored. They're they're here at the show for you. You know, um, you know I think the simple way to, to take care of that is to make one ballroom, you know, put up six green screens. Well, we have a uh, you know, jungle background here outer space background here. What do you want? 
keep them all away from the dealer's room. Yeah. Yeah. You know, three people in costume stop and pose, and somebody takes a picture, and then four or five other people see that, you know, they're posing. So four other, and the, the aisle is jammed. You cannot get through. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and topping off with the, the fact that uh, the shows are so popular that you get so many people that they've got to raise the price. You know, if we let every, everybody in here at 20 bucks, we, you know, the fire marshal will be all over us. Well, and it's marketing 101. You know, we're full. We've got to raise the price next year. Yeah, but and, and then in turn, they don't have any money to spend at the dealer's tables. Yeah. Yeah, there's the, the con business has just exploded in the last five years. I don't know of a single con, and there's one here locally, the Texas Frightmare Weekend, that is just huge that is run by just complete it, it is the worst run thing you've ever seen but people will flock to it because the con business so to speak is just booming you can't go wrong um if you if you just it's, it's a place to go and gawk if you do a search for comic cons there's a list i bet you there are at least 10 this weekend right you know, some are one day, some last the whole weekend. There's big ones, there's small ones. There's the ones that are thrown by companies that do just that. And then there's ones that are just, you know, independent freestanding events. And there are at least 10 of them every weekend because I, well, I tweet heavily to them about the museum. Mm. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I don't mind that either. But there must be some type of balance, you know, where people can actually have some money when they get through the door and not be blockaded by, uh, two years ago, I'm at the Dragon Con and, uh, George Perez is doing sketches and, you know, he's a popular guy. So his line begins winding around tables and then down the aisle and I'm standing there looking 14 people in front of my table waiting to get a George Perez sketch. Like, hey, take a number. You know, like Baskin Robbins does. And everybody was pissed off. This entire corner of the convention, nobody could get to our tables. Yeah, well, it's, it's simple. Have them leave their phone number and text message them when it's their turn. You got five minutes. Well, or, you know... I mean, rest, restaurants can do it. Why can't they? Yeah, or, 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 or the, the you know, Baskin-Robbins thing. You know, what, what number are you serving now? Oh, we got plenty of time. Yeah. Come back later. Yeah. And, well, and, you and know, it, I, I, I threw conventions when I was God, a teenager and uh, completely changed. Well, not to, and let's, I don't want to seem like, hey, you kids, get off my lawn... But these creators, number one, let's not forget, these are the guys who gave birth to all this stuff and, and kept it going when there wasn't the giant movie franchise and all that stuff. And it, it just kind of saying, look, it's cool, everything that's going on, but these people come here you know, to support what they've been doing and what they've done in the past, and if they can't, they'll stop coming. So if you don't oh, want to uh, actually uh, have Mile access... High Comics. Did you hear about this? No. Well, Mile High Comics is probably the biggest golden age 
you know, dealer in America, they're not going back to San Diego. Mm-hmm. I, I was reading a piece tonight, and I'm not going to start throwing out figures, but, you know, let's just say it costs $10,000 for them to get there and set up with the tables and the whole thing, and they lost two. Yeah, it's a business. We can't keep coming here and losing money. For the four days that I was at Dragon Con, it was like 50 bucks a day. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wait a minute. And, you know, part of that is the problem with that one is, you know, I reprint Golden Age comics, and none of these people know who they are, the artists or the titles. Mm-hmm. So if I were ever to do a uh, another Dragon Con, it would be strictly prints. Yeah. $10 well, prints. The um, the thing is, if if you're Gold, uh, Mile High Comics, you know you're gonna sell a lot more over the internet or any other variety of ways than you, you apparently can at the show anymore. Uh, which is That's because those collectors don't go anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not for them anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, San- and, you know, by its very nature, you gotta let it be what it is. Sure. But there must be some way to compromise. Well, it's... Yeah, like no, no costumes in the dealer's room. Well, or just uh, let them... You know, it's like this, this new wave of stuff is happening. You've got to figure out a way to let the originators, the, you know, the pioneers, who, whatever you want to call them, piggyback on that a little bit. You know? Um, when, when you do the movie release for this big thing, you know, half an hour before the big deal, have them up talking about it or something, you know, spot weld them onto your big thing a little bit. That's all you got to do because then those people that have seen the big movie opening and seen the star speak on the DS, they're going to leave. And if they're walking by that guy's table, Hey, that's the guy that talked before that presentation. Let's see what he knows or whatever. Yeah, I know, but there's so many dealers and there's so many artists and there are only so many events. I understand you might you might not be able to get everybody, but all ships rise with the tide. You know, it's uh, well. Uh, the idea then would be to have big panel discussions with ten guys. Sure, and but but pepper them with super popular to twenty year old guy and this other dude, um, because I'm sure well, even the new originators of the comics will tip a cap to those that they've learned from, and that just that makes everybody look good. Well, you know, when you get uh, that many people in one spot, you know, then you've got like 100 people coordinating. You try to get 100 people to coordinate anything, see if it works. Yeah, yeah. No, I've I've worked on TV commercials. Well, there you go. Yeah, you can't get a cup of coffee for all the organization. So, uh, anyway... um, The cons. I'm, 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 I'm a lesser man would have been quite angry about all of these comments. Like, I'm going through all these comments on Facebook. It's like, whoa. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and actually, it's pretty good for a laugh. Because in some respect, they're trying to work me. They're trying to make me unhappy. They're trying to make me sad. They're trying to make me angry. Like, I know what you people are doing. You just want me to respond. I'm like, no, I'm not going to respond. Well, you don't have to. You lived it. 
You know what happened. You were there. Yeah, yeah I know. But if you don't respond, then, oh, what's he hiding? Well, that is a no-win situation. They're going to think you're hiding no matter what. I mean, I can. I, I am taking great delight right now in knowing, and I could name names, but I won't because that just gives them power. Uh, there are people in the fanboy uh, community who are right now parsing every single word we say. When you said, "Hey, I've, I've been trying forever," I've been. What did what, you say? I've, I've been. Uh, I've been, been trying for six or seven weeks to get hold of Rand. Yeah, well, no, you said something about I've been trying forever to ink Kirby. Oh, there, oh, yeah. he, he proved it. See, he proved it. He shystered his way and, oh, God damn it. It's just like, look, Jack Kirby himself said, yes, this guy can do it. Yeah, Thiexton has a plan. Yeah, go ahead. You're goddamn right I have a plan. I want to ink Jack Kirby. Yeah, and that's okay? like, a, that's a bad thing. That <laughs> Every mo- anchor had the same plan. Yeah, that, that motivation is evil. You want to ink Jack Kirby, but it's like, if the guy you worship said, I approve of this, then you got to kind of shut up. You know, it's like, oh, well, then I guess Jack wasn't right about everything. And, you know, it was really charming. After I did the superpowers, he started working on uh, the who's who the single-page illustrations of all of the characters he worked on. Mm-hmm. And about two or three months, uh, my editor, Robert Greenberger, comes to me and says, would you mind terribly if so-and-so inks this? <laughs> like, you're the editor. <laughs> Just whatever. <laughs> you know, I ink six or seven issues of Jack Kirby. If they get to ink one page, be my guest. Because, <laughs> yeah, what a thrill. You know, Carl Kiesel, I was talking to him about it. He says, I never thought I'd get a chance. I'm like, well, there you go. James Kirby. Put that on your resume. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all of these things that are going on behind the scenes that, yeah, well, you know, Thiexton's a Kirby hog. I don't know how he got Kirby to agree to let him make all of his stuff. Like, okay, if I wanted to, I suppose I could. But no, here, you know, I ain't 30 of the who's who's, and there must have been another 30. Like, 30 guys who would never ink Jack Kirby got cool. So there are layers and layers in this stuff that, uh, you know, until my autobiography is out, he will never know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the other thing is that uh, uh, there's been a lot of talk about your your biography of Jack, where you're the hero throughout the whole thing. I'm not even in the first volume. Okay, <laughs> and the forward, yeah, that's me. I'm doing the forward. I'm trying to tell you who I am and why I'm qualified. And then the rest of the first volume leads up to the Fantastic Four. Where would I be in yeah. any part of that volume? Well, it's just, it's like I said, I've never encountered a group of people that, that will extrapolate uh, whatever they want to believe, you know, I mean, pretty soon it's going to be Stan Lee was a Nazi and was a guard at Buchenwald or oh, something. Oh, yeah, just add the A, Stan becomes Satan. Yeah, oh, God. Yeah, of course. That's no accident. Now, uh, the second volume of uh, Jack Magic, uh, about halfway through, well, that's when I met him, and this is, these are my observations in person. Okay. Well, why would these Kirby worshippers want a first-hand personal account of someone? Because it's me. I've got a huge ego or something. I don't know. Yeah. No, no, no. Here's a funny story. It involves chocolate. Okay? (laughs) 
nobody else would know this story. But it gives you a little insight into what was going on with Jack's life. And man, the first time we drove to San Diego, we took his Cadillac. And I drove it. <laughs> and it was like driving a fucking Sherman tank. Are <laughs> you people out of your minds? Get a Toyota or something. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was impossible to handle on the expressway. From there, then on forward, we always took my rental car. Because it was just a mother. See, but that's, that really doesn't have anything to do with his, you know, his art or what decisions he made about why he did what he did. That's just a little insight. <laughs> like, whoa, this is a big-ass car. So chocolate. Chocolate. Uh, okay. Uh, you know, it didn't matter how close I was to the family. There were things about his health that they really didn't, you know, discuss with me. But, I mean, you observe, yeah. We're, uh, we're in a, uh, <laughs> what the hell, Kastner's? I think it's Kastner's. Uh, a Jewish deli, Thompson uh-huh. Oaks. And it, it's, it's really like chrome, and the, the waitresses with the thing on their head and a white apron, it's like totally, totally Jewish deli. Uh-huh. Oh, and the big menus with all the pictures. <laughs> so Jack looks over a menu. He says, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have a... And Ross says, he'll have a bowl of soup or something ridiculous. <laughs> she, like, overrode him. <laughs> well, his health. So Jack and I, they got this rotating in a, in a chrome cabinet with glass in front of it, cakes. Totally deli style. Uh-huh. And Jack and I are both looking at this big, gigantic chocolate cake. <laughs> you know, we both want a piece. <laughs> and the waitress comes back and says, dessert? And Rod says, no, just a check. <laughs> Jack and I look at each other like, okay, man, you know, we really just got, we're not going to have any chocolate cake. <laughs> oh, no. Mm. So, on the way out, uh, I buy a handful of little chocolates, little round balls uh, with the twisties yeah, uh, and a silver wrapper in the middle. So, uh, you know, at the, at the end of San Diego, and man, I am a tremble because if I kill Julia Schwartz, Roz and Jack, and I walk away, I'll be the pariah of the comic book industry forever. So driving those guys home, and I'm exhausted. You know, at the first, Kirby dozes off. Then Roz dozes off. And then Schwartz dozes off. It's like I don't have anybody to keep me awake. <laughs> so I get up and I'm going to the pool. And it's just like, shh, just relax. I'm, I, literally, my hands were trembling when I got back. So Kirby comes out and we're looking at uh, really high up in the mountain. There was only one... Uh, one house even higher, and some guy from Xerox on that. So we're standing by the pool. We're overlooking uh, Thousand Oaks, which is such a distance, it looks like a galaxy. Uh-huh. You know, it's just these, these tiny lights out there. And Jack says, you could never know everything that's going on down there, and it's not even that big. <laughs> <I'm> like, yeah. <laughs> okay. So I stick my hand, it's dark, you know, we're out there alone. 
I stick my hand in my pocket, and I pull out a chocolate. And I casually slide it into his hand. (laughs) (laughs) And he picks it up, and he looks at it, and he gobbles it. (laughs) I'm gobbling mine. Uh We're eating chocolate. (laughs) You know, just relaxing. And he tries to put the wrapper in his pocket. No, 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 no. Roz will find that. I will catch nine shades of hell. (laughs) Give me the wrapper. And then I said, and don't kiss her until all that's out of your mouth. (laughs) That's a chocolate story. But, you know, that's not necessarily what it is. It was just the way... So it's a, you know Greg's a hero. I, I guess if I gave Jack Kirby a piece of chocolate, yes. <laughs> and the secret weapon in the volleyball game. Oh, ha. yeah, that was vague. It's like what? Just God. Okay, that... I jumped really high for a little guy. The... I jumped really, really high for a little guy. Mm-hmm. And we used to play in Central Park, and it was like a who's who of the comic book industry. I mean, it sort of got everybody on both teams. You know, if you comic book kid came by and says, okay, that's Jim Shooter, that's Len Wein, that's Marv Wolfman, that's Frank Miller. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I could jump really, really high. So when I got up to the front line to the net, somebody tries to get it over. I would jump really, really high, and I would just like, dink. It just dinks the ball, and it would just drop. There would be no way you could play it. And actually, they, they they eventually came to call it Feekston's Dink Ball. <laughs> you know, I could have slammed it. And I remember uh, Barbara Kiesel. <laughs> she's looking at me. Well, I'm, you know, it must have been in slow motion in her head. You know, like I'm going up. And I, like, put my hand on I go, boom, I'm going to do it down on your face. A little dink. <laughs> How dare you turn your... Central Park volleyball game into you winning a gold medal in the Olympics. You cur. You self-aggrandizing. Yeah, it's it's like anybody that tells a story. It's my story. It's just what I went through. Yeah. And believe me, there are some stories where I look really stupid. (laughs) When the autobiography comes out, you'll see them. Yeah. Well, I know some of those stories. I think I'm in them. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this whole thing is, is no, that would be where you look stupid. Well, I always okay. look stupid. So, and then well. I don't care. Uh, but the, this, this whole thing has just been a real, uh, well, you know, it's, it's psychologically fascinating to see the uh, sharks in the water with blood. It's, it's, uh, always interesting to me when, internet stuff happens uh that see the the best way to debate somebody is to concede things that are factual you know you you can't just say well not that didn't happen when it did i can't do that but the other side just refuses to acknowledge even the words that these people are writing themselves you know, if you if it's like well, well, one month he owns it, and the next month it was never his property ever. How do you square that? And nobody has an answer for it. 
Um, you know, I can well, over and above that, we go back to this thing. Was you dead, Charlie? No, they weren't there. They weren't there when I took them away. They weren't there when I had a discussion with Roz about it. A couple of guys allegedly are there. I haven't heard a word from either one of them. There were two guys that coerced. The word she used was forced her to call me to try to find out about the about the copies. It's like, okay, so tell whoever's in the room that Greg owns the copies. And I haven't heard a word from either one of them. And you would think they would chime in. Well, the 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 thing was that they called you sort of out of the blue, right? And then Rod, uh, yeah. And and the subject came up. You when said, are going to return the copies? Right. And well, just go ahead and tell how it went. I said, Ross, don't you remember? You called me once, and you said we're giving away all of the artwork on the walls. We're putting the names in the back. And which piece do you want? I said. Roz, I've got like 200 pieces of Kirby art as it is. I want the Xeroxes. And she says, that's all? I say, yeah. So that was the transfer. Right. And, you know, something comes up on the Internet and says, I was talking to a friend of the family. And they didn't put their people's names in the backs. They had them on a pad. Well, all right, maybe, you know, the little old Jewish people right, tearing big pictures off the walls, writing somebody's name in the back and putting them back up. <laughs> okay. He says, and on that pad, Seekston's name wasn't there at all. Dun, dun, dun. Well, yeah, because I'm getting the Xeroxes, and that's why I'm not on there. Yeah. Okay, yeah. you just proved my point. Right, but I, I guess at one point, you you had her tell the two people in the room the things belong to Greg, and she actually said it you know, on the phone, like loud enough you hear. And uh, then didn't she say something else? Like, is that all you want, or no? She said, and then this one, she said, "Oh, I remember." Ah, gotcha. And you know, again, it's this thing where like, Ma, you know, would you send me a receipt for that gift? Right. And I could have saved all of this grief if I actually had. True. But, uh, you know, you start, you start looking at, at just the timeline of events. You know, you could put it up like a lawyer, and it's like, well, on this date, he got the stuff. On this date, it was gifted to him. On this date, well, somebody yeah, asked I about it. I wish I'd taken those numbers down. Well, or, or roughly the date or this year no, or the month. All out of the blue, 90. 86, 87, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I know for a fact that I began taking that stuff for copying in uh, 83. And what's this deal with Levine facilitating the transfer of this material? Like, he was never there. I would pack as many Xeroxes into my portfolio and suitcase as I possibly could. And, man, that stuff got heavy. Oh, yeah. Actually, you know, when I was preparing to leave for San Diego, I was like, all right, leave room for a big stack of Xeroxes in my suitcase. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. It's, uh, 
Well, that's, you know, been made out. You surreptitiously are, you know, sneaking these things out. I, the all the they knew, all they knew was that I was borrowing them, which is true. Yep. And that was given to me. But because everybody else is not there, they don't know that. Except the two. And I'll give you a clue. They both worked with Jack. Mm-hmm. I don't name any names. Well, the, the I just keep looking at this and saying, who has a vested interest in their story and who doesn't? And your story is, I mean, look, you throughout the process have been giving documents to this museum and anyone else that's asked for them, including John Morrow for 30 years and whoever else. Yeah, you let the guy into your house to scan, which you never would have done if you were just going to give them to him. You would have said, take the boxes, yeah, scan Yeah, why would he be sitting in my, my studio floor five to six hours every month, every other month for three years? My girlfriend comes over and whispers in my ear, it's time for this guy to go. Well. Okay, Rand, it's 1230 at night. You got to go. I mean... People that, serve, I, people, uh, people that serve him at McDonald's say that. You know, you can't go by that. I mean, but, but that's another thing that just well, makes... Well, no, she wanted to have sex, you idiot. Oh. Okay. <laughs> this guy's well, got to go. The, uh, the thing is that that makes no logical sense whatsoever. None. And, None. And then we get John Morrow who, okay, if Roz is telling every person under the sun that she is furious that you won't give these things back. And, of course, she's never contacted you, and she's never gotten See, a hold of a lawyer, okay. and nothing else has ever happened. How does he get in the middle of this? How is he the guy? I mean, did she just one day say, you know, John Morrow, uh, why don't you just take care of this problem for me? I don't see that happen. I mean, it has to be part of a discussion. The topic had to have come up. And it's just very interesting Oh, hey, you know, me. listen, hi, it's John. I was talking to Roz. She wants to broker a deal, me to broker a deal, call Roz and see if I'm on the up and up and it'll even happen. No, 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 no. Nothing but silence. I have never heard from Lisa Kirby once. And that last letter, that was like, okay, this is my last stab at bearing the hatchet with the estate. You could have it all. Not only can you have it all, See, that's the other half of the letter, which they don't show. So, by the way, I'll sign over 13 books, all of the rights. Gosh, why didn't they show that half? Well, because it's just another example of you going, here, have this. My generosity. Well, or just your respect and love of Jack and his work. But whatever, whatever motivation, uh, this yeah. is the first... I mean, with terrific uh, foundation for the museum. Yeah, and it's like there's no gratitude. Uh, I have my own opinions about Lisa Kirby, and I'm not going to say them because they're not nice. But, but, well, and and they're accurate. They're not, I mean, it's not my usual trying to be more than not nice. But, But that attitude is what breeds things like this. There's been, it's this. Oh, that was, that was the final straw. Listen, you can have everything. Let's just make amends. Nothing for two months. Screw this. I have to do this. Yeah, but you wrote it in a letter. Well, I changed my mind. Well, you never even acknowledged my letter. Two, two seconds, exactly. How do I know you even got the letter? Uh, two seconds after 
you sent that letter, Rand Hoppy could have called you up and told you your breath smelled, and you're like, well, I'm not dealing with this guy. Forget it. The deal's off. Until well, you, you know, sign. I'd like the... to think I'm bigger than that, and I waited two months, and then after two months, it's like the hell with this. Of course you're bigger than that. My point is that all the time people in discourse can claim things and let's do this and let's make this plan i'm good with it how are you until you it's on paper until you sign a mutually agreed upon document together explicitly and you both have copies exactly then it's not a deal um that's that's just i mean the lawyer knows this um but the lawyer also knows in a court of law things will get very muddy with a case like this extremely muddy how so? Well, just because it's uh, the issue, in my opinion, legally, is the gift. Mm-hmm. Were, you, were you gifted this or were you not? And proving mm-hmm. that or disproving it is almost impossible at this point. So it's, it's a matter well, of... Well, on the other hand, by its very nature, I had the stuff for 30 years. Well, that was my I next... I never got a piece of paper demanding it back. The, that was my next thing, was then it's going to go to the testimony of people 30 years later in secondhand accounts versus the actual actions and activities that went on here, which yeah, is... Listen, I've had it for 30 years. You had seven under statute of limitations to make a stab at it. By the way, I'm going to give it all to you at the end. Oh, wait, you didn't acknowledge my letter. Right. And, I, and as I understand it, even those photocopies weren't, weren't part of the... I mean, any letter you wrote her, I'm giving you these, know, I'm donating... You I was, I was just ready to let the whole thing go at that point. But, by the same token, you had a verbal agreement with Rand, which wouldn't have been... Um, imp- it wouldn't have impinged on this letter you sent at all. You know? No. Not no, at no, all. No. It's like, yeah, I'm giving you these things, and I've given them to him to scan. He's given them back. Uh, these photocopies or whatever. I mean, that letter is just, I don't know, it just doesn't amount to a whole lot but me. uh, And you know what's interesting? The last trip that it came over to my house, all that was left was the copies. Everything else had been taken away. These are the things that I'm hanging on to. I didn't say you could have these. And, you know, they're the sad little boxes. It's like, well, all right, I'm going to lend these to you. You can continue scanning them because I'm going to Atlanta and you can't complete the job if I take them with me. And we're loading them into his car. I remember my box was going in the trunk. His box was going in the back seat. And I said, now, I will be back for these. I'm not giving you these, lending you these. And when I come back for them, I do not want to hear you say, well, I thought you gave me those. And what's the first thing out of his mouth when I claim them back? I thought you gave gave me those. Well, that was convenient. Well, extremely convenient. I let let this guy up the street, my lawnmower. (laughs) Like, two weeks later, I go over there and, hey, I'm on my lawnmower back. I thought you gave that to me. Yeah. That's not a real story, but it's kind of uh, metaphorically speaking. Well, that's why I asked him how many items were on loan. Because I'm, I'm quite certain that answer is zero. It's all theirs. Of course it's theirs. Mm-hmm. Does it have the word Jack Kirby on it? Well, then the Kirby family says it's theirs. You know. Yeah, that's a good, yeah. 
I, I, um, we've got a roll of toilet paper here. Jack touched one time. Somebody said so. I've got a third-party family member says that Roz wanted that back. It's mine now. It just doesn't. It doesn't. You know, I've, there's been several people online that have said, you know, you can't have third-party vigilanteism. Uh, Fagan's kids. Hey, Fagan, go send your kids out to steal. Sure. Sure. This guy, okay. this guy, this guy, this guy, this. this guy has a proven track record of sending you stuff and being helpful with all this stuff. Let's just see if he'll let us have it. And then it's ours forever. Um, interesting too. the very first time you call the guy, you have one conversation with him. And then we go to the sort of what I'm going to call the Kirby family stance, which is complete silence. And let's call a lawyer. And we'll issue a press release that we completely run away with, uh, run away from a month later. It's yeah. funny to me the also, the, the fanboys, yeah. the, the press release came out and it's like, well, fait accompli, that's over, done and dusted. Ha, ha, ha. And they don't Yeah, want... I mean, if you really look it over, it's kind of vague. doesn't really say anything. Which, which like the first uh, uh, release that they sent out. This is kind of cryptic. What does all of this mean? Just well, come out and say it. That's the one I'm talking about, because that's the one where three times specifically they refer to these items as your property, Greg's property. property. Oh, right. And, and the same thing with the Levine letter. It's it like... is absolutely outrageous to then, a month later, come out with a 30- to 17-year-old backstory no one has ever heard that is completely unverified. He gives Dave Stevens as a reference. He puts a clip and a transcript hey, on there. Why are some funny? Well, I, I do. Mean, it's not like funny. Uh, funny. Let, me, let, me just finish, let me just finish my point real All quick. Right. Dave Stevens never says the words Greg, Greg Theakston or Theakston, and it's nowhere in that transcript. But Conveniently. We're supposed to believe the guy that a month earlier said it was your property who is now telling this lavish third-party, unconfirmable, I'm going to jump into the middle of this dispute story. So, so what's the interesting... Yeah, they weren't there. Was you there, Charlie? No, he wasn't there. Uh, so I went to San Diego Con, and Dave Stevens pulls me aside. And he says, what's the deal? Are you ever going to give uh, Roz those copies back? And I remember very clearly, there were two chairs. <laughs> I said, come over here, let's sit down. So it take a while. And I explained the whole thing to him. And I don't know whether that interview slice was from before or after. But yeah, anybody, anytime anybody ever wanted to know, it's like, here's the deal. And if you don't believe me, ask Roz. Yes, it's, it's uh, interesting. Roz dies in 97, and immediately after she's gone. This... Oh, uh, John Morrow. Yeah. I know for a fact, since 1997... This is not just a, a number that he pulled out of his ass. 97 is after she died. How would he know that after she died? Well, he's... Did she come back to him on a Ouija board and say, <laughs> no, no, I never gave that stuff to Greg? Well, he's yet another of the people that know what these people thought. Man, they've got it, book, chapter, and verse. As I understand things uh, through thought and lawyer and legend uh both jack and roz were notoriously sweet people yep. and did not want to make any waves and were the type that were likely to indulge someone rather than to have any unpleasantness or anything else 
Yeah. So yeah. when so when someone was talking to them, oh yes, well no, yeah, you know, it it's it there was never any proactive uh, anything on their hey, part. You want to hear an analogy? There's an interesting analogy. I first spoke to Jack Kirby in nineteen sixty eight on the phone. You know, I was starting my, you know, biography. And I said, Now when you worked at Fleischer, what did you work on? And he says, Well, Popeye. I said, did you ever work on Betty Boop? I said, no, no, I never worked on Betty Boop. Maybe some of the color, I don't know what they call them, the Silly Symphony knockoffs. And I watched over the years people come up to the table and say, God, you got your start at Fleischer? Like a, like a Popeye and Betty Boop? And Jack would say, yeah, yeah. And by the end, he had worked on Betty Boop <laughs> because so many people had suggested it to him. And I think that's the same thing with copies. When are you going to get copies back? Well, I gave those to Greg. And 20 more people say, what about those copies? And then by that time, yeah, when am I going to get those back? They were pliable that way. Mm -hmm. That if he said something long enough and you know, over and over and over for 20 years, well, that's the truth. Yeah, Jack worked on Betty Boop. Well, and not to be indelicate, but because uh, I will be indelicate at times. But the uh, sure. what the uh, the this was at the very end of Roz's life. Oh yeah, and, very frail. And, it, oh, and without Jack. And exactly. And, oh man, she was just busted down, helpless. Well, and no reference. In other words, no one to turn to and say, "Hey." Is Didn't this we give this stuff to Greg? Exactly. Uh, it, it's just, I, I don't think that's a big factor, but it is something to consider when two people corner a, a woman of that age and say, hey, call this guy up and ask him what he did with these. That and just, what is the deal with these two guys ganging up on her? Yeah, that just, her me. that's never seemed, you know, I get the image of a lady in her later years, on the phone, with two guys standing in the room with her, listening to her phone call. Expecting the right answer. And, and it's, it's not, well, regardless of what they were expecting, it just has all the makings of a, a bad Perry Mason episode or something. I mean, it's, who does wow. that? Uh, hey, why don't you call this guy? And, and you know, uh, it just seems and so. Why did they actually have to show up in person? Why couldn't they just call her and say, hey, can we just clear this thing up with the copies? Would you call him? No, no, it's like a Gestapo behind you. Yeah. You better have the right answer. It, it just seems like there were a lot of people uh, swarming and trying to influence this woman to do something that she just you know, never <clears throat> did or never seemed to have the inclination to do <clears throat> legally. And again, and I'll mention this one more time, I find it absolutely unbelievable in the Make Sense Department that the people who are now at the Supreme Court with Marvel and Disney could mm. not take action against Greg Theakston. That does, For 30 years. That does not pass the smell test. I'm sorry. It, it just doesn't. And then you got the question becomes, is it really a matter of the copies, or is it let's get Greg? Everybody's got this little beef with Greg. He's so tight with the Kirby's. We hate that. Well, I think they're part and parcel of the same thing. Oh, uh, you know, jealousy. Uh, there was a, a, a member of the, of the uh, inner circle 
who absolutely fucked up. And he was persona non grata for eight years until Jack was about to die and then everything was forgiven. And then all of a sudden he's back in the picture and, uh, wait a minute, you need to keep out of my business with Roz. And that's unforgivable. Because, you know, the whole back to the whole thing, think of us as your parents. Okay, listen, you get between me and my mom, okay, that's unforgivable. Yeah, well, you know, the fanboys make, I mean, they make a lot of hay out of that anecdote where you, they, you know, they said, how do you think of us? You said, uh, like my grandparents, I would have said parents, yeah. but I didn't think I had the right. Had a right. And they, not you, uh, said, Think, think of us like your parents. Your parents, yeah. You never said, I'm their son. They said I was their son. None of that. And it's like a... It's uh, a yeah, what? It's I a, a funny story. Well, because this, you know, has to do with this. Uh, I'm swimming in the pool. Thousand Oaks. Uh, Jack, Roz, and Schwartz aren't sunning themselves. They don't really swim much. And I come to the, I did a lap, and I come to the end, and Ross says, sing my Yiddish mama to me. (laughs) (laughs) Of things I should be thankful for, I've had a goodly share. But as I sit in the comfort of a cozy chair, and I sang my Yiddish mama for her. And from that point forward, she said, call me your Yiddish mama. Yeah, it's okay. Nobody knows this. Oh, now everybody knows it. Well, and to me, see, I, I know that story will be turned into you had a bayonet at her throat and we're plucking her eyes out with pliers. Uh, but that's just an, an anecdote. It's a it's a nice story that shows what sort of colorful, fun people they were, et cetera. Uh, Behind the scenes. what Yeah, right. What kind of people they were. Okay, Jex, you know. His knocking out the comic book pages days are pretty much over. Well, how did he live out the end of his days? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Okay. She didn't call me a lot. First time Ross called me, she says, uh, I was 70, no, it's a little later, about 82. In my studio, she calls me up. I'm like, please don't tell me Jack is dead. Okay? She says, no, we got into an auto accident. He's in the hospital for observation. I said, okay, are his hands all right? That was the first thing in my head. He greedy son of a bitch. He just wanted to keep drawing. Yeah. Okay, well, I mean, yes and no. I says, oh, no, his hands are fine. And this is where his art began to decline. So I'm thinking, they didn't have an auto accident. He had like a stroke. Yeah, like a mini stroke or... Well, I mean, even a major one, because from that point forward, the uh, it's uh, after uh, the first issue of Captain Victory, there's a noticeable decline. And any time Ross Kirby would call me, Jesus, please don't tell me he's dead. Yeah. And so it's that kind of stuff, you know, it's all... How how his last days were spent from an eyewitness. 
I talked to Ross Kirby every Sunday night from before Jack died until she died, a couple hours. Mm-hmm. And it was not one of these things where, like, I'm recording it, because I talked to Betty Page. <laughs> That's a great lineup. <laughs> First talked to Roz Kirby, then talked to Betty Page. <laughs> don't, don't tape record Roz, tape record Betty Page. Uh-huh. <laughs> My Sunday nights were action-packed. I bet. <laughs> well, let's... No, it's one of these things where... No, it's just it's me talking to my mom. Why would you tape record that? Right. Although I kind of regret it now. I'd like to have a couple hours of just the two of us kicking it around. Well, you know, um, maybe Lisa Kirby's kids will record her. It's more legal that way. Uh, and speaking of the law. She'd probably say talk to my lawyer. Yeah, talk <laughs> to my lawyer. That's, you know, charming person. Uh the law, uh, the legal status of this. I, I love the armchair attorneys on the internet. All right, yeah. uh, who seem to think well, then he doesn't have any right uh, if he hasn't sued them by now, <laughs> dude. <laughs> this kind of thing takes a long time to mount, and it's going to take a long time to resolve. Well, it's interesting to me that you are to have adjudicated this within what uh, sixty days of being blown off basically uh and they've had 30 years but that's okay wait a minute 60 days to adjudicate fuck that shit <laughs> well no that's that's you know they expect this thing oh, that's to, their opinion yeah that's what they that I this see. thing's up hey he's had well it's, it's been a week since he said he was yeah, sending a lawyer where's, where's the convictions and it's like uh these other people have had 30 years and you're not holding them to the fire of anything uh, but but it's it's interesting to me that they think they know legal strategy and what a lawyer would do. And, and certainly Greg's going to call a lawyer and that guy is going to file something within a, about 20 minutes because he's not going to research the law or the proper municipality or where he should file or what statute of the law to file under or anything. Like that. He's not going to do hey, any I research. I had a, a lawyer, which I signed. Well, I didn't literally. They, they agreed to work with me. Uh, August 1st. I call a guy three weeks later. I keep sending him. It just keeps you up to date. Here's everybody's press releases. Here's what they're writing. Here's what I'm writing. I call him three weeks later. He says, you know, I'm a little, a little over my head on this one. Um, I don't think I can do it. So, yeah, I had a lawyer for three weeks who dropped the ball. Well, and it's just not to say that you know, a lawyer might might say, well, we have to take some other steps first. Uh, there's a there's a million things that a lawyer could say. Let me issue them a letter officially. Um, no, they, basically, all he said was I'm busy. Well, no, not this guy. I'm just saying these people that are talking like oh, they, yeah. they know what a lawyer should do. They have no idea what an attorney would do. None. Not any. Zip, zero, zilch, denullin. Uh, but yeah, man, they come off. I mean, I guess they've seen one too many law and order. Well, if he had something, he'd have sued him by now. Well, there's a thing called ducks in a row. And yeah. also, how are you going to sue him? And also, you're still holding out, at least, at least until recently, the possibility that they would do the right thing. Right. Yeah. What's your... And so I'm, I'm, I'm reading these, these posts by these armchair lawyers. 
and so many rights. Uh, yeah, well, it's the paperwork that comes down to the final. Yeah. And then like six comments later, somebody says, well, if he signed the paperwork, he's screwed. No, the guy up upstairs said, you know, is there any paperwork? And now all of a sudden, I I'm screwed because I signed paper. Okay, it's the Saki and the... Yeah. Yeah. Sign the paperwork. Like, no. Who, where did this come from? I didn't sign any paperwork. So that's it now. It's uh, a misnomer that keeps getting kicked around the Internet. Yeah, but he signed them off. Well, that changes the story completely. Yeah, you, there was no sign-off, and like I keep saying, uh, you may have received an acknowledgement letter for one portion of it, but again, all the muse yeah. museum professionals say you don't get to do that. You don't get to take it, inventory it yourself, and then send, oh, this is what we got for a variety of reasons. Number one, there's no you know, two-party confirmation of that. Of command. Yeah, and there's also uh, no ability for you to have you know any comfort in the knowledge that by the end of that process everything will be done properly that's why it has to be done all at once because if it's done piecemeal you are required to sign documentation as you go along and that's not to your advantage if you get to the last step and you say wait whoa 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 that i don't this isn't right well we've still got these three boxes or these three installments that you did agree to so now we'll just argue over the last one. You don't get to do that. You know, actually, I said, Rand, take these six or eight boxes. Once a year, turn them from a gift into a donation. Because if I do it all at once, I can only get one, ta one tax thing out of this. Yeah, like he's going to remember eight years. No, really, just do one box a year. Everything else until then is a gift, not a gift, alone. Well, I mean, I talk to lawyers all the time. I've got a couple of them that I, I rely upon here for doing the show. And I called one of them up and said, if a museum gave a guy an acknowledgement letter that was using a tax form that contained property they now claim he doesn't own and they have known about that since 1997 would that create a tax issue for that museum mm. oh and he said oh yes it would oh yes it would so what is it my stuff paper not my stuff no paper yeah, I mean, I guess we'll find out. You, you set a precedent there with the first box. Well, you also set a precedent with your press release. Because you came out and basically said this guy's either a shyster or confused. And said it was his property three separate times specifically. And now a month later, this careening jalopy of a tail comes out. Uh, with absolutely no verification from anybody that doesn't have a vested interest in making money off of it. Correct. Or continuing their magazine. Right. Oh, we, and we had, state, you know what? I think that Greg is right. 
Joe Bojack, Kirby Collector. Vegas State, I think that Greg is right. No more museum. Well, that, and uh, we even have, is it from the Kirby Collector from 94, where you're being championed as what a guy, and from your yep. collection, from your yep. archives, and that's in his publication. And that, and that you have shared them with him. How do, you, how do you share something that's not yours? Anyway. Yeah. So going Unless you're really, really interested in this. <laughs> for the time being, we're beating a dead horse. Well, so what going forward, what's your take, attitude, viewpoint from, uh, here, on, from here on out? Yeah, here's a funny one. I put three calls in to Hoboken Police Department. Couldn't get an answer. I'm sorry, too. The third time, I'm talking to the guy at the desk, I suppose. I said, can I file a report on your website? He said, no, you can't do that. I said, can I do it by mail? He says, no, you got to do it in person. Hoboken. <laughs> I said, well, I'm in Atlanta. The guy at the desk says, well... If you got somebody with two legs, you can send them in. Somebody can file a report for me. That's shady. So, <laughs> so I have enough people living in the New York City area that one of them, she hasn't agreed yet, but she better, my daughter. And that would be cool, because you know, well, some comic book collector. Hang on, some comic book collector comes in to file a report. All right. Yeah. No, it's this guy. It's this guy's daughter filing a report. Adds a little credibility. From my daughter to your daughter. My daughter. From Greg's daughter to Jack's yeah. daughter. Here's a here's a police report. Mm. Have a nice day. Well, Greg, we're, we'll... uh, what next? Oh, oh, yes. Um, um, I probably should do this today. Get a new lawyer. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, we'll keep track of this whole thing. And uh, I'm sure I'll get away from it. I'll talk to you again some point in time or another. But we we're going to we're going to keep on this. I can tell you that one of the things that the lawyers that I've spoken to have suggested to me is that their status as a not for profit 5013C, 503C, whatever. Um, that should be, he said, that that can be contested. And we have to see the last five years of the tax return. Uh, I'm due the last three, and I have not received those. And the, all they sent me to for the last three years was some link that, that gave just their filing information. I did not get the forms. Now, that 30-day clock has not stopped, and my attorney told me, hey, the second they go one day beyond that, contest their non-for-profit status and file with the IRS for failure to return or display publicly, uh, yeah. you know. And so we're going to do that. And we're going to do a, a lot more things to challenge this museum. Uh, Why didn't they just give me my stuff back? They're not ethical, smart people. We could have avoided this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been behind the scenes, would have been hush-hush, all of that. And again, uh, okay, you put me in a position 
where I have to show what a crappy museum you are. Well, it's been... Last thing I wanted to do was like, you know, what does it call it, a sponge? The museum? Integrity? Well, integrity? Well, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, we'll catch up with you later, but uh, hang in there and give us a shout if anything happens. Yes, yes, and... Uh, Show many many pictures of me. <laughs> All right, I'll show the true blood picture. All right, I'll catch you up later. All right, bye bye. Roll brakes on you, brakes on you, roll the waves. Brakes never, never, never will be slaves. Hello, 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 this is Karen from London here, just popping in to say that in the light of all the wondrous celebrations over here we've had our Royal Highness, her Jubilee, things are a bit down in the dumps, so thank heavens above we have the charming, lovely Tom Gully, he's the darling of the man, always there for a laugh to perk up my day. So why don't you go and check him out at the TomGullyShow.com. We'd like to thank Greg Theakston for taking time away from his busy Atlanta nightlife and numerous illustration projects to be with us again. And as always, we invite anyone from the Kirby Museum or the Kirby Estate to be on the program with us. If you think you are even remotely capable of handling it, which I assure you, you are not. Because if you get on this program, there will not be a bank of lawyers. And I can already tell from what I've seen and read online, none of you people have the mental or verbal acumen to hang with me for longer than about five minutes on this program. But you are invited on because I certainly don't want to be accused of only providing access to this program as if people have a right to it. Uh to those interested parties that want to comment. So anytime you want, you come on the old program. See how that works out for you. You know, when someone can actually question you directly about your crap and you can't just go, come on, liar. Come on, liar. Come on, liar. There's a C word that describes Lisa Kirby, and that's all I'm going to say about it. 
Folks, we'd really appreciate it if you'd share this on your various Facebook pages. Trying to spread the word means trying to spread our little show here. We'd appreciate it if you'd like the Tom Gully Show. Not me, but the show on Facebook, too, if the mood strikes you. And, of course, there's always the TomGullyShow.com, which um, is only about 7,000 times better than the Jack Kirby website without having any art as good uh, as the art they have there. Imagine. That's where you can find everything about the show and see a workable website with an actual ROI baked into it and, you know, uh, information architecture and user experience. Uh, there's Tom Gully Show store. Of course, we're not a museum, but we do sell things. Of course, if I was a museum, I would do more than just sell things. But because I'm a, you know, Internet and non-Internet radio guy I sell things and uh, do pretty well at it don't even have to go to cons um, got an oven mitt got a shower curtain clock flask I got some thongs you want a thong with the Tom Gully logo yeah you got it uh, but I'm not a museum so and we always encourage you to subscribe on iTunes for free, because if it's free, it's for me. And if it's free, it's also for the Kirby Museum, except in their case, it's called appropriating things that you don't have documentation for, which a lot of places they have another word for it, and it's called theft. Uh, let's see here. Follow us on Twitter at Atomic Palooka, too, so I can increase my clout and cred ratings, because if I get enough points... We're all going to go to the aces. That'll do it for tonight. I'm out of here. I got to go talk to some people. I'll talk to you much later. You know, each night, Jay Johnson brings us in with the truth wagon. Go to jjohnsonmusic.com and check out all of his stuff. You can also find him on YouTube. He's got some good stuff there, too. Um, the Pitcher Song. The Pitcher Song, yeah. Uh, and each night, we go out with Catch-22 Blues by the Hitman Blues Band. Go to hitmanbluesband.com or hitmanbluesband.net. Get those nine free blues songs just by signing up for their mailing list. And uh, those guys are going to England. They're going to be in the U.K. So, guys, have a good time over there. Hope you can still download the podcasts, of course. And um, we'll see you next time. But before we go to the song, I got a message uh, from the Kirby Museum, John Morrow, and Rand Hoppy from the Court of Public Opinion. It's all there, black and white, clear as crystal. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. Well, the bug can't lift a twig for a dog is nothing big, but he don't want to. And the dog can't grab a cat Or a coon can do all that But he don't want to And I dream of you at night While you hold your baby tight But he don't want you You can see it in his eyes From the way he tells you lies But he don't want you